0: Welcome to How To Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence.
1: Working with other people can be tough, whether they be family members, co-workers, or fellow Catholics. But what if there was a proven model that could help you identify your problems and find a better way forward?
0: On today's episode, we share the world-renowned five dysfunctions of a team. Along the way, we disclose some of our own dysfunctions, tell you about the upcoming feast of St. Benedict, and talk house blessings. Let's get started.
1: Happy anniversary, Kevin.
0: Thank you, Lisa. It's been one year. One year. That's right. Since. I joined the amazing parish.
1: That's right. It's not our anniversary. No, not yet. It's a job anniversary. It is a job which anniversary. Which is very exciting, and it's been a great job. It's been a great year.
0: Yep, it has been.
1: A lot of changes, a lot of growth, a lot of mm-hmm. chaos and crazy, but good chaos and crazy at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: So, we realized that we're at the one year anniversary, and we've never really talked on the podcast about like the bread and butter of what you do at amazing parish mm-hmm. and it's amazing content
0: pun intended no
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know you didn't, but I just nope. couldn't help myself. I do I the same thing all the time. bet that happens all the time, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: no, no pun intended um but you know we left an amazing mission in focus to join another amazing mission, and we wouldn't have done that unless we felt strongly Mm -hmm. that Amazing Parish was a mission that we could really get behind. And so we want to share with you today on the podcast a little bit about what Kevin is, not his work day-to-day, but what they are bringing into the world day-to-day with this topic of dysfunction which sounds like an awesome job. Kevin Kevin works on dysfunction. Um,
0: <laughs> in the church. And a lot of people out there are like, yeah, we've got a lot of dysfunction.
1: Yes. And before you think, oh, this isn't for me, this this very much is for you. The principles that they do at Amazing Parish are actually business principles, but they're also life principles in yeah. general. They're for anybody who has a relationship with anybody. And so if you are a living, breathing human being, this applies to you.
0: Absolutely. It's five dysfunctions of a team. And so what is a team? It's usually people that are working together for a goal. So if you are working together with anyone on a goal, all these dysfunctions apply to you. So yeah, whether that's a marriage, whether that's relationships that you have with family members, with friends, with coworkers, with people at your parish, maybe you volunteer, uh, sports teams, all of these dysfunctions apply really to any team. And so that's why a lot of times when people hear five dysfunctions, they think Of a team, they think of a business, but really it's just people stuff, like you said, it's just being human and and, uh, having these relationships.
1: Yeah. And it's really fun having Kevin become an expert on this because then it comes out in our marriage all the time as he analyzes it through the dysfunctions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's where we're having problems. No, it it is totally true. Yeah. So (laughs) it's naturally leaked over into our lives. And I think all these concepts will, as a listener, will naturally leak over to your life as well in probably ways you don't expect. So I'm excited for this episode.
1: Yeah. Well, Kevin, why don't you first tell us a little bit about where the five dysfunctions Come from?
0: Yeah, so um, Pat Lincioni, for those of you who aren't familiar, is an author and speaker. He's a consultant to Fortune 500 companies uh, all across the United States and and, in the world, really. Um, And he runs a consulting group that helps consult businesses and helps uh, really their executive leadership teams run whatever they're running, whether it's a business or organization or a sports team, whatever it might be. So he consults. With Chick fil A. You might like Chick fil A. Pat works with their executive team. Of course,
1: they like Chick fil A.
0: I know they like Chick fil A.
1: You can't like Jesus and not like Chick fil A. (laughs) It's like a command. If you like the
0: culture at Chick fil A, you're like, there's something different about this place. A lot of that is Pat coaching them on how to understand their clarity and give that over to other people.
1: Does he teach them how to say, my pleasure?
0: No, but that comes out of the things he teaches. Or he consults with Southwest Airlines. If you go on a Southwest flight and you're like, there's something different about this organization. It's because they embody pet stuff. Um, he also consults uh, the Cincinnati Reds. Like their manager, all the Reds have taken on five dysfunctions of a team and said, we want to live this out. And throughout our whole team, throughout our whole front office, throughout all our minors leagues, like this is the book that's going to help us actually move it forward as a team. So it's really fun to hear all these things from Pat. Uh, his book Five Dysfunctions of a Team came out in 2002. It's sold millions and millions of copies. It's been on New York Times bestseller list. So I was looking on Amazon; it's still top 300 books of all books, and it's, in, it's a number one business management book still right now on on Amazon. Um, so it's really had an incredible run. It's it's one of those staples in, in business courses, and just as people get in business, I run into so many people who are like, "Oh, I've read Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Like that's an incredible book." Um, and so. Pat's had the success. He's written over 11 books. Uh, Five Dysfunctions is really like his his bestseller. And so many people have come to him, whether, again, teams or businesses, but he started having more and more churches come to him and say, we want to incorporate what you teach into our churches. And Pat said, that's great. Usually they're evangelical churches. He says, but I'm Catholic. I'm happy to help you out, but I also want to help out Catholic churches. And that's really where The Amazing Parish was born from. And we have this culture of team health with the dysfunctions, but also a culture of prayer and discipleship and really trying to build up teams uh, in their parishes, teams around a pastor to, to help lead that parish.
1: Yeah. So Pat is one of Kevin's two bosses, um, yes. even though he's a remote boss from California. Mm-hmm. But um, so basically what they do at these conferences is Pat comes in and does everything he does with with these companies. And I mean, he has these conferences, versions of it for secular conferences. And it's like, what, like $2,500 a ticket to come?
0: Yeah, a person for three days. A person 2500
1: And what Amazing Parish does is they sell tickets for $300 per person, mm-hmm. which is like a 90% discount, and it's all focused towards the Catholic Church and the Catholic Parish. And I've been to the conferences. They really are amazing. Um, the content he puts out and just the gift that he is to the world and how he translates it to the Church. We're just so so grateful so um yeah we will tell a little bit more about the next upcoming conference if you work at a parish you know someone who does we'll share at the end about the next conference but really we want to give you the meat of of what uh the five dysfunctions of a team is all about because that's one piece of the conference it's not the Mm -hmm. whole conference you're gonna actually get much more than what we're sharing on the podcast so don't think oh i'll just listen to this podcast and then then we'll be set to go but um and i just want to say too i'm sorry i'm like selling the conference because I'm just so proud of it. But I've never been to an event that's church related where they spoil people so mm. much as much as you all do at your conference. Yeah, like they feed you every five minutes, like good food, and they they like give you alcohol and you don't have to pay for it. And dinners on real plates at round tables. Like they really spoil the people who come, which is just amazing because I feel like we don't spoil our church um, ministers enough. Like we don't. Yeah. Sto- spoil the people who give their lives to church enough and Mm -hmm. so it's really neat for me to go and see how much you guys just like love on them and you're like here's really good food like yep no strings attached here's free stuff like good free stuff like just the whole conference just the whole time you're like there's more it's like being on oprah um (laughs) and they just keep giving you free stuff it's unbelievable yeah so okay i'll stop because we need to get through these dysfunctions but um the first one do you want to jump there are you ready
0: I'm I'm ready when you are.
1: Okay. The first dysfunction is trust.
0: Yeah, so one thing is
1: because <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's why you stopped. You're like, "Uh, how do I so the dysfunction is <laughs> absence of trust." So here's the thing. Pat's <laughs> worked with teams and basically what Pat says would be you there are five behaviors that if you have these behaviors as a team, you will succeed. But when he was writing a book, he said if I call it five behaviors of a team, no one will That's like the boringest title of all time. Um, it's like if he had, he said, if you have a marriage book that says like three steps to a perfect marriage, you're like, Oh, I don't want to read that. But if you read a book that said, you know, three ways to ruin your marriage, you'd be like, what are the three ways I'm going to mess up my marriage? Like I shouldn't do those. And that's the same concept here is if you know the dysfunctions, that's why it's called five dysfunctions. You're like, Oh, teams dysfunctional. Like, and people have experienced that. You're like, I want to read more about that. So their behaviors the good side of it is behaviors, the bad side is dysfunction. So, the first one, as an example, is absence of trust is the dysfunction, and the positive behavior is trust.
1: Okay. So, there's like a virtue and a vice.
0: Kind of, yeah. <laughs>
1: um,
0: sort of. Yeah, sort of. So, trust is an interesting word because we can use it in lots of ways. What Pat means by trust is what he calls vulnerability based trust. A lot of times when people think of trust, they think of predictive trust. So that's like, I trust this person because I know uh, they're dependable, right? Like I trust my wife because every morning she knows what to do and how to like get our kids ready and feed everyone and get everybody out the door. Like that's not the kind of trust. That's predictive trust. That's not what Pat's talking about. What he's talking about is vulnerability-based trust, which is this idea that you actually share weaknesses with one another. You share yourself with one another. And it's not that I, I know what your, the actions you're going to do. It's I know you as a person. I know who you are and that you're willing to really have that vulnerability about who you are. So um, one way that we do this at the conference, and Pat does this with all every team he works with, he just does some exercises. And the first one he normally always does is called personal histories. So this has really simple questions like, where did you grow up? What? Um, how many siblings did you have and what order were you in those siblings? And... Um, name one challenge that you had in childhood, just one, ch- one challenge you had growing up. He says, almost with, without fail, every single team that he's worked with answers these questions and they, at the end, go, I had no idea that this was the case about you. And people they've worked with for decades didn't know these different challenges. And when you start to just share yourself, when you start to share your life and you understand one another, you start to build trust that people are on your side, that they understand you. And um, really, trust is the foundation for all all the the behaviors, all the dysfunctions, either one. It's it's really, really huge.
1: I think it's interesting. I'm thinking about our marriage. Um, we've been married, it's going to be 14 years this summer, mm-hmm. and I still am learning new things about you yeah. and understanding you more deeply. I remember when you came back from Soonville, like we had a conversation that was like, oh, like, I know more about Kevin now than I did two weeks ago, even though it's been 14 years. And so I can totally see how this applies with those relationships where you think you know somebody in and out, mm-hmm. there's always more to know.
0: Absolutely. And there's just these little <clears throat> little things that can open things up. A great example from Pat's book is there's this guy who was the CFO of a major company. He's just super stingy and really wouldn't let anything in the budget. And they did the personal histories exercise, and they discovered he grew up in the 1950s. And when he grew up, he had no indoor plumbing and no electricity. And um, he shared that with everybody. And he said, that's probably why I'm so stingy with the budget, because I'm afraid... I never want to be that poor ever again. All right, now when you're approaching a conversation with him about a budget, you realize that's the reason why he's stingy, not because he doesn't like you or because he's inefficient at his job. It's because he has, he has a personal history there that's shaped who he is. Um, that's more of a, a serious example. This week uh, with my coworkers, I've asked a, uh, a question that's produced a lot of fun results, and it's just, what was the 16-year-old you like? And we got really specific. We just said, what car did you drive when you were 16? And what music was coming out of it? And we got so many awesome answers. There's a lot of gener- different generations in my office. So depending on the generation, like what kind of car, what kind of music. And I got well, you got to know people. And it's just that knowing of who those people are that you build that trust and rapport with people to really work with them as a team. And uh, it's easy to just move to trying to get things done. When we have trust, and as you see as we go through these five behaviors or five dysfunctions, it, it's the foundation for everything because when things get rough, when things go bad, you go back to that trust and be like, all right, I'm in a relationship with this person and I who, who this person is, and that's going to help us move forward.
1: So there it is, the first dysfunction, not trusting. <laughs> Absence not? of trust. Absence of trust. <laughs> yes. All right, well, we're going to take our mid-show break really quickly, and... For those of you who have been following along, you know that we are doing something new. So I've been doing the liturgical lowdowns every month for the last year. We just finished out at the end of June here was the last one that I posted in the monthly format. And now I'm going to start to share with you a weekly liturgical lowdown tip. And you can always go back and listen to the month that I have previously recorded. So July is I recorded a year ago, but because the liturgical calendar is cyclical, everything that's on there is still going to apply to this year, even though it's been a year since I recorded it. So you can always go back and listen to the whole month of July, but for next week, so I'm always going to be sharing one liturgical feast day that's coming up the next week. And next week's is the Feast of St. Benedict, which is on July 11th. Yes, we are graduates of Benedictine College. So, of course, we love Saint Benedict. He is an Italian saint who lived from 480 to 547, roughly. And he's the founder of the Benedictine order. So, if you have ever heard of a Benedictine monk or even just monasticism in general, Saint Benedict is considered the founder of monasticism, like he's the father of Western monasticism is how we say it, because he's the one who kind of created this idea of having a monastic life or the life of a monk. So a monk could be a priest, but he also could just be a brother, not necessarily a priest. So they lived in community, and the way they did this is very well documented because St. Benedict wrote the rule of St. Benedict, which Benedictines still use today and many other monastic communities also Gained some of their wisdom and traditions and histories from him, and um, as Benedictines, they they read it faithfully every day. So it was fun when I was in college. I actually would go to the Mount. So there's the male branch and the female branch. So um, where the sisters lived, the Benedictine sisters, I would go once a week and have dinner with them. And during dinner, there would always be a break where they would read a section from the uh, Rule of Saint Benedict. So you know, it's like, oh, we're learning about the. Porter, great, <laughs> who's like the door answerer, door, the guy who answer, answers the door.
0: Door answerer man. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think there's a name for that. And at Benedict's in college, the, Brother Joe, he was the porter. Like, if you went to the guest house, like, he was there to greet you, and here it is. 1500, With a smile, no doubt. Oh, yeah. 1,500 years later, the porter is still at the door. Um, and I love, in the Rule of St. Benedict, it says, at the door of the monastery, place a sensible old man who knows how to take a message and deliver a reply. So, you know. <laughs> These are the kinds of things you learn at the Benedictine monasteries. All right. So for this particular feast day, some things you could do to celebrate. One would be an activity, which is also going to be our hack today. So you're not going to see these separated. They're together. Our Catholic hack today is a Benedictine hack, which is to bless your house so it can be protected with St. Benedict medals. So the St. Benedict medal is the circular medal. So most metals are oval and this is really kind of the way you can differentiate it is it's, it's circular and it is a metal that has been used a lot in exorcisms. And it's a very powerful, um, uh, symbol against evil. And so when we first moved into our house, we actually had a Benedictine priest come over who happened to also be the guy who did the father who did our wedding. And he came over to our new house with four Benedict medals and went around our house and, and Blessed our house, and you place one in each corner of your house and you say a blessing over the house as you do it. So, if you have never blessed your home before and asked for protection from, you know, to keep out evil in your home, this is a great way to protect your house. Super simple to buy four medals. You can either have a priest to your house to bless your house, or you can just bring them to church and ask the priest to bless them for you. And then at your home, place them in the four corners. We actually, when we did our remodel, I was having them like stick them underneath the carpet. So they're perfect and under there forever. And it was, it was fun. Cause they're like, you want me to do what? I'm like, I'm put it behind the baseboard. <laughs> I want these permanently in my house. So that is our hack is the St. Benedict blessings to protect your house against evil. All right, so that's an activity for this feast day. I'm gonna link to several books. One of my favorites would be The Holy Twins, which is by Tommy DePaulo. And um, he just is a great Catholic children's author, has tons and tons of books. And The Holy Twins because Benedict's twin sister, Scholastica, um, the two of them were just like a holy power team. And there's also a novel by Louis de Waal, who has a ton of Catholic books. I can't, uh, I think it's a citadel is how you say it, citadel of God, which is like a castle on a hill, a novel about St. Benedict, so that's an adult book about St. Benedict, and then of course you can read The Rule of St. Benedict, and then two movies that I will link to. The first one is My Catholic Family, St. Benedict, so that is uh, EWTN's series of, of DVDs for kids. But this one in particular, you can watch online for free at EWTN Euro. So there you go. UK, EWTN UK, their site has it for free. These are the kinds of things I do with my life. I try to find free stuff. Catholic stuff. And then finally, stories, uh, Saints Stories for Kids, which is on Amazon.com, also has a free episode on St. Benedict. So I'll link to that. And then the last thing to celebrate the feast day, some non-traditional foods for you. The first one would be Eggs Benedict, which um, is not named after St. Benedict, but who cares? It was actually invented by a guy in New York, he was a Wall Street broker, and he um, came up with this order when he was um, going through a hangover and just thought it sounded good, <laughs> and that's where a saint...
0: Wow, you went really deep today <laughs> on the research.
1: <laughs> I did. That's where Eggs Benedict comes from, but you don't have to eat it with a hangover in mind. Um, you can just eat it. And then finally, this would be a great day to have some bread because... And you can tell the story as you have the bread at the dinner table or with whoever you're with. There is a great story about St. Benedict, and he was um, known to be a little bit harsh for those who joined the order. It was like a hard thing to live by his rule, apparently. So of course, the monks wanted to kill him, so they tried to poison him with some bread that was laced with poison, and a raven came down and took the bread away so he would not eat it and die. So that is why he's always pictured with a raven, because it saved his life, and this would be a fun day to eat some bread. So there you go. St. Benedict's liturgical lowdown. Okay, so I will link to the books that I mentioned and other products uh, for the feast day this month. And also, it can all be found on amazon.com slash shop slash Lisa Ann Cotter. And there you will also find books, products, anything that has to do with any of the feast days this month, all in one page on amazon.com. So you can purchase for all your feast day needs. Wow. Ready for conflict?
0: Are we going to have conflict? <laughs> no. <laughs> About conflict cuz that would be fun. That's the next
1: dysfunction. And that one can be a dysfunction, conflict.
0: It, it can be. And so the positive is conflict, the dysfunction is fear of conflict. Oh. Cuz a lot of times we're afraid to have conflict.
1: Wait, why didn't you just write out the whole the whole phrase for each of these? Why didn't I? No.
0: <laughs> you you know, your question was why didn't I?
1: Yeah, why didn't yeah. you? Cuz I'm looking at the list and it's just like trust, conflict.
0: I put it on my sheet <laughs> later. I didn't give you that part.
1: No wonder. Okay. It's maybe. okay. You
0: can say it and then I'll, uh, I'll say... And then
1: you'll correct me. Yeah.
0: will See fun. how we worked that out? That was good conflict. That, that was, was really good. That was a good example. So there are different types of conflict. Normally when you think of conflict, I think at least when I think of conflict, I think, oh, that's bad. Like conflict. That's not good at all. But Pat lynch would say there's good types of healthy conflict and then there's bad conflict. So it's good to understand these things. So bad conflict, unhealthy conflict is usually personal, it's mean-spirited, it's going after people, right? Good conflict is when people pursue the truth together and they go after what's objective and they're charitable in reaching that, that end, okay? And so he said, actually, conflict can produce really great things, right? If two people have great ideas and they're trying to, at, say like at a parish, right? Two people have two different ideas on how they should evangelize uh, the people in their neighborhood, right? That's a great discussion to have to get to a point where you can find the best way. Like, you should have different opinions. Not everyone's going to see the same way, and so you actually need to have conflict in order to figure that out. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, which is always interesting in parish life because I think a lot of times it's like, oh, well, it's just whatever father wants. Yeah. But what I love about the conference, and I don't want to give it away, <laughs> but that will stand up on stage and kind of scandalize people and be like, listen, father's not always right. Like you need to learn how to have conflict with him and actually push him sometimes.
0: Yeah. Cause sometimes it's like, Oh, father's like somewhere between like a human and an angel, you know? And it's like, <laughs> actually he's a human being. He needs to be pushed back on. Everything he says isn't true. He doesn't have infallibility, you know, mm-hmm. uh, y- you know, especially over decisions that aren't even about faith and morals, of course. Like, mm-hmm. um,
1: and then it, obviously in the business world, the same thing with like, Oh, well boss. Oh, totally. Like I shouldn't, Ever question what he says? Yeah,
0: he's the CEO, so I or can't. She's
1: got the final word, no matter what.
0: Yeah, and usually when you get in those situations, bad things happen because when you don't have conflict, you don't actually get to the truth. You just get um, one opinion, and I love it because Pat, he'll do that at his secular conferences. He'll say that amazing parish. He's like, when I speak to business people, I said, "Who, who's a works type of group at conflict? Who do you know that just really struggles with conflict?" And every time people are like people in churches. And it's so true. People in churches really struggle with conflict because they think Jesus' greatest command a lot of times is be nice to one another, right? I'm in a church, so I've got to be nice. And so instead of actually telling you to your face what I think is actually the truth or conflicting with you, I'll go to the parking lot and tell somebody after the meeting's over with right I'll actually say something behind your back and a lot of times that's where things get mean-spirited and personal the bad type of conflict because you don't actually have it out in person to say I love you but I disagree or you know I understand your passion about that but I don't think it's practical and to really have that that conflict is so so uh, important when you go after the objective truth and sometimes with conflict you're going to go over the line you're going to start with good healthy conflict and sometimes it might lean into unhealthy conflict, but just to realize, um, sometimes you don't know that until you go over the line. And and even with conflict, uh, a funny thing happens when people have conflict is they can actually, when they do it right, they can grow closer together.
1: I wish everyone could see your hand motions because (laughs) Kevin's over here expressing all this with his hands right now. His hands have just come together in an embrace of each other was before they were distant and now they have come together
0: i've always i've always dreamed of someone commentating on my hand motions it's just <laughs> a, a dream of mine um so thank you for fulfilling that dream but i think you know this is something i think you and i lisa like uh going back to trust and personal history is like we have different conflict styles like we grew up with different conflict environments in my house um, conflict was done, uh, if it was done, was done like one-on-one in a private conversation about a disagreement, you know, it usually wasn't had out like in a group setting or, um, at a dinner table, which was different from conflict style at your house.
1: Like, you're making your family sound like you were perfect at conflict because that's I a typical way of doing it.
0: That's that's not, I don't think that's a perfect way of doing conflict. That's I said per- passive aggressive.
1: No, you didn't. I didn't? No.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I, I thought I said passive aggressive. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: i'm glad i can give you so much joy
1: <laughs> you never said passive-aggressive oh, that,
0: i my mind said it <laughs>
1: no you basically were like we did it perfectly <laughs> how did <There> you do <laughs> Conflict, Lisa? <laughs> as unlike lisa's family <laughs> Who did it the wrong way? <laughs> That's not what I was trying to say <laughs>
0: at all. Actually, I was I was trying to do the opposite, which is really funny. I yeah. really was.
1: <laughs> well, our listeners can let there's us know. There's some good that.
0: things about my family's conflict, but I think there's some some things we could improve on. But anyways, you're...
1: I'd say in your family, they're more passive aggressive. Yeah. Just period. Yeah. But you were like, we would go into a room uh, and just have a conversation one-on-one. Just
0: like Jesus says to exactly. do... Exactly.
1: <laughs> all you all needed right. to say was my uh, family passive aggressive your family was blunt <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was what I was trying to do I'm <laughs> glad we could have this <laughs> conflict you we get to the truth yeah.
1: but I, I mean I can own it yeah my family was blunt if there was an issue it was just like I'm not gonna beat around the bush like <laughs> like you're being an idiot stop doing that or why did you do this or that's just how we dealt with it so so Kevin would try to be more like tiptoe around the conflict and mm-hmm. be kind about it and I'd be like If you're mad, just tell me. Or if you're upset, just say something. Or if you want me to do something different, just just like ask. Like don't yeah wait around for me to guess it or
0: yeah. I would yeah. It's I tend to like hold things in and wait too long to say something. You you on your on your side, it's more like saying things and sometimes maybe even too quickly. Totally. It's like finding that happy medium of healthy Mm -hmm. conflict where it's like, well, here's here's how I see it and like finding that way forward. But that's Mm -hmm. that's where I think. Even this last year and learning about all this, it's like, oh, I need to do a better job of having conflict with Lisa and like just putting it on the table. And like, I think that's been, I think that's been good for our marriage.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And I think even those things like, uh, Pat says scar tissue heals stronger, you know? So sometimes you feel like conflict can cause a wound or like uh, a breakage. I'm using more hand motions, but, um, that that can heal and heal in ways that like people grow tighter through having disagreements when it's done the right way.
1: Right. Like, yeah, scar scar tissue is stronger than regular tissue. Yeah, because it has to be.
0: Yeah, and that's why when we avoid conflict, it's so detrimental because a lot of times it causes wounds, but they never heal because mm-hmm. it's done like in parking lots or on the side or being manipulative instead of just actually having the conflict like you should, but just done in the right way. That's charitable and seeking out truth.
1: Absolutely. All right, well, that is our second dysfunction. That was awesome. (laughs) Time for the third, which in my abbreviated notes, I have commitment.
0: (laughs) So the dysfunction is lack of commitment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're saying that, but you're saying the correct behavior, which is commitment. That's all you need to say, but then the dysfunction is lack of commitment.
1: Yeah, okay. It's going to
0: happen for everyone. It's not like, I just put them in later. Okay, so... All again, all these are building off. So when you have trust, you can have good good conflict, right? When you trust someone, like in a marriage, when you trust one another, it's so much easier to have conflict because at the end of the day, you know that relationship's still intact. And then when you have good conflict, that leads to commitment, is because when people actually weigh into a situation, they can buy into it. When people actually weigh into a situation, they can buy into it. Most people are pretty reasonable. And most people at the end of the day want to be heard. They want their opinions to be heard and expressed and be on the table and for people to wrestle and think about them. And whatever decision's made from that, as long as all the stuff's on the table and people are rationally thinking through it, they can move forward with the decision, even if it's not what they would have chosen, because you've had the conversation. And that's what commitment's all about. You're smiling over there.
1: Because I'm thinking about (laughs) passive aggressive. I'm sorry, everybody. (laughs)
0: That's great. So <laughs> but no, um, yeah. certain companies have had a phrase and it's disagree and commit. And it sounds totally countercultural, but it's like, we're all going to discuss it. We're going to pursue the truth. We're going to have conflict. But at the end of the day, once we make a decision, we're all, all in on that decision. Mm-hmm. Once we've had the conflict, we put stuff on the table like, all right, we're just going to disagree. And then we're going to commit to that decision and move forward. And this is really huge for... Teams is huge for marriages, this is huge for friendships. Anytime we're working on something, you're not gonna fully agree, but it's important that you commit. So as you know, as spouses and as parents, our kids might ask us something and we have two radically different decisions on what's gonna happen. Hey, um, can I get this video game? Right? Mom says one thing, dad thinks another. It's important that one, as as parents, that we have that conversation and we put everything on the table, right? And it's like, oh, I thought you didn't want him to have a video game because of this reason. It's like, actually, no, this reason. Oh, well, the root of it's that. And like, you hash it out. But even if you still disagree at the end of the day, once you make that decision to go to that child and say, mom and dad don't think you should have this video game, right? That's a lot stronger. That's a lot of great parenting. Not dad thinks you should have it, but mom doesn't. And that's why you don't get the video game. Like, which one's better there?
1: Yeah, and it's so damaging to do that. Like, we can see that in the family realm, but sometimes when we put it into the office realm, it's like... Well, this is different. Those are adults. It's Like, no, it's not. Like, oh yeah, that's super damaging. If yeah, if I'm like, well, your dad's the mean one, or if I said things, you know, where we weren't on the same team behind mm-hmm. Kevin's back to my kids, like, what are they going to think about their dad, or vice versa? Like,
0: yeah, yeah. Or in a parish, when it's oh well, father, that's why we did because father wanted, but you know, three of us didn't. We got we thought it was a horrible idea. Like the the division that sows in a parish to hear, you know, that you're not on the same page and there's just strife and like what's the problem? Like, did you not talk it out? Like eventually a decision has to be made and like, we can't just gossip like that, you know? So whether it's business, whether it's, um, you know, in a church or in a marriage, like having that unified front and saying, all right, we've got to commit to something. One decision is better than no decision. Like we really need to move forward and, um, make a commitment to what we're doing and when we're doing it. It's huge. There
1: it is. All right. So that was, um, Number three, which lack I of commitment. There we go. I just have commitment written down. Here comes all you have the next one. I con- was <laughs> to say it's the word. Here's the next disjunction. This is bad for you all. Okay, accountability.
0: The disjunction of accountability is avoidance of accountability. There we so, go. Again, all these are building off one another. So after you have trust, you can have conflict. After you have conflict, you can have commitment. if you've committed to something, it's one thing to commit to something. It's another thing to actually hold each other accountable, right? So you can say, we all committed to that. Great, did we do it? I don't know, we never checked.
1: (laughs) We're going to meet every Friday at noon.
0: Our son can't have that video game. I don't know, did he bite or not? No idea. He's just been playing stuff in the basement. Like You have to actually have accountability to to pull things off. And that's, uh, as any team... Working on something, you have to look back and say, wait, did we actually do the things that we said we did or not? Did all that just, did it matter? Does it matter that we commit or is it not matter? You know."
1: That's like such a gut trick as a parent because so often it's like, well, you're going to lose this privilege. (laughs) And then this happens at our house sometimes. I'll be like, you've lost your screen time for tomorrow. And then I forget. (laughs) It's like noon and they're, you know, watching something and I'm like, wait, wait, you're not supposed to be watching. <laughs> and they're
0: like, you told us we could, w- like, you told us to watch the movie. Like, well, you, did you, <laughs> you, did you remember like I told you that? You that? And it's like, I didn't remember it after you told me it was okay to do. Like, I just took it and ran. And you're like, Oh. but that is, yeah. And kids, I mean, again, kids, employees, whoever it is, notices like, oh, they just say that. But after a month, like, it'll be fine. Like, yep. you have to have that accountability. And sometimes it hurts, right? It's sometimes yeah. like, Oh, no, I said no screen time. Oh, that's actually a punishment for me.
1: Totally. Yeah. I'm like, you're all watching a movie at noon <laughs> on Friday because it's summer and I'm done. <laughs> but now I have to actually like, yeah.
0: Yeah, or at work where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, you said this, so now we all have to do this work. And actually, you're the only person that's available to do it. And you're like, oh, no, like, now that's my job, you know? Yeah. But if without accountability... People are going to go, well, that commitment stuff doesn't matter. You know, at the end of the day, we all fight, but then this really just happens or that really just happens, you know? So, mm-hmm. so totally true, which leads Lisa.
1: Yeah. I, how does this differentiate them? Because on my cheat sheet, my last dysfunction I have is just the word results.
0: Good. So this is the dysfunction of results, which again, is a positive behavior. I don't know why this is hard, but the, the dysfunction is inattention to results So that's actually seeing like the overall picture where you're headed. So if you have uh, a commitment, you're like, all right, we're going to do this thing. And then you can look back and say, did we do these things or not? And then finally, you're just saying, did they produce the results we wanted? So you could say, all right, well, the reason why my son couldn't have this video game is because he has too much screen time. And I think if he gets this new video game, he's going to have a lot of screen time, right? So you're accountable to that and he didn't get the video game or whatever it might be, but then he still has lots of screen time. Like you're not being attentive to results. Like you're not seeing the overall picture of why you did that thing in the first place. So you want to make sure that things actually count towards what your strategy was and what you're actually moving towards, not just the action and did I check boxes? Because check boxes are good, but how does it fit in the overall picture? There it is. There it is.
1: The five dysfunctions. I will give you again the positives of them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Those are trust, <laughs> conflict... Good conflict. <laughs> commitment, accountability, and results.
0: And I'll give you the five dysfunctions, <laughs> which are uh let's see here, absence of absence of trust, fear of conflict, lack of commitment, avoidance of accountability, and inattention to results. Awesome. Our how to challenge is how we finish up every episode is to share this with somebody. Who needs to hear it? It could be your spouse. And as you thought through this, you're like, "Oh, we need to talk about this in our marriage. Like, we need we need to build trust. Like, we should learn more about each other. Boy, we just need to work on conflict. Whatever it might be, would be great. Maybe with your friends. I think a lot of friendships have this. Where like, ah, I just I don't I'm not good having conflict with my friends. My friends want to do this, and I don't want to. And I never speak up, or I don't whatever that looks like. Or maybe a coworker. Uh, Maybe your parish. You know, Lisa uh, plugged the conference at the beginning of the episode. Anytime you talk about dysfunction, you talk to somebody in a diocese or a parish, and God love them, people trying to do great stuff, a lot of times they're like, oh, we've got problems and we need help. And the Amazing Parish Conference really goes after that. And like Lisa said, it's given the, the best of what Pat gives to really amazing companies and helping them build their culture and their clarity and to move forward. And it gives that to, the, to Catholic parishes so that they can build up a great culture of team life. They can be able to build up a clarity of where they're going. And then they can actually move into mission and just do a really incredible things in their parishes. And that's why we, we just love all this stuff in Amazing parishes because it's not just for its own sake, but the structure that we set up really enables evangelization and allows the mission of the church to actually come alive in a way that, that couldn't when we have dysfunction in our parishes.
1: And Kevin hasn't mentioned this yet, but after the conference too, they also have follow-up. with parish consultants who will walk along with you as you're integrating these principles, these principles and all the other principles you're going to learn at the conference. And it's free. Yeah. Which like, who does that? Like, Mm -hmm. seriously, who does that? I'm telling you, nobody. Nobody else does that. So you're getting an incredible value for the very little bit that you're putting into to coming to the event. Um, I mean, financially really, it it doesn't make sense. Um, and that's because we have amazing benefactors who believe in what's going on and they, um, subsidize the the whole process because that's how much these people believe in the need for our parishes to become healthy so they can go out and do their mission. So, Next conference is in Disneyland. That's right. In October. In in, in
0: California. (laughs) Yes. October 28th through the 30th. And uh, just an easy, quick question. When you're shaking your pastor's hand, when you're going out the door at Mass, just say like, hey, Father, have you heard of the amazing parish? And um, start, you know, you can start a conversation around it. Because I do think a lot of times people in parishes, they want great things to happen. There's great people that are there. But setting up that structure, setting up a team, we're just seeing huge fruit with priests all over the country who are really buying into the program, going through the process. And um, yeah, really incredible, really incredible stuff.
1: Yeah, one of these days we should probably have Father Brandon or somebody yeah. on the podcast who's gone through this like, mm-hmm. and um, kind of share like what that looks like because it, it's really incredible. A lot of hope. A lot of hope, people. Good things are happening in the church. All right. So that is our show for today. Thank you for listening in. If you want to connect with us, our email is hello at made to magnify.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Kevin is at Kevin R. Cotter and I am at Lisa Ann Cotter. That's Ann with no E. As always, if you've enjoyed the show, please give it a rating on iTunes, add it to your podcast subscriptions, tell a friend, All these things help get the word out about how to Catholic. Until next week, be saints. It's worth it. Working with other people can be tough, whether they be family members, coworkers, or fellow Catholics. But what if there was a proven model that could help you identify your problems and find a better way forward?
0: On today's episode, we share the world-renowned five dysfunctions of a team. Along the way, we disclose some of our own dysfunctions, tell you about the upcoming Feast of St. Benedict, and talk House Blessings. Let's get started.